Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Kazawa. I am one of your hosts for this episode, Willie, and as usual, we have Isaiah. And man, I am too excited for this episode, bro. This is going to be one of them ones. I hope it is, man. This week, we're going to be discussing Summer Games Fest, more video games for Kuzawap, and we love that. Two weeks ago, we did an episode on the PlayStation Showcase where we broke down every single game that was announced. That is not what is going to happen here. Frankly, Summer Games Fest is huge. There's so many different showcases involved that we can't physically possibly do it all. So we decided to focus on Summer Games Fest, the showcase, not the whole event, the Xbox showcase, the Ubisoft showcase, and the future games show. That's what we're going to be discussing here today, you know? But if y'all want the five-hour episode of everything, you know, you could just let us know because I'm always down to do more Kuzawap, you know? Why not? We just do a deep dive episode just for them, just for those guys. And I think before we can truly jump into breaking down each game, though we shouldn't dilly-dally, I think it's worth mentioning that Summer Games Fest, once upon a time, what this was, was something we called E3. Um, and E3 had been in a steady decline as we went into COVID. E3 was a, a gaming conference where everyone from the gaming community would fly in, press, uh, developers, studios would all come to this one convention and it would be all about video games. What's to come in the future? Um, new systems were you know, announced and dropped at this type of a conference. Like it was a big deal. So it dying in 2020 has left this void in the gaming community for a thing that unifies us. And um, we've got the game of the year awards at the end of each year or at the top of each year. And then we also have this, we have a summer games fest. So I'm excited to jump into this. This is going to be good, Willie. Um, you want to just start with Summer Games Fest? Yes, sir. We're going to start right with Summer Games Fest. And the first thing I want to do is I want to give it its brownie points for somewhat bringing back the spirit of E3 mm. to the table of these presentations, to the forefront, right? Because a lot of these more recent presentations have felt like glorified PowerPoint presentations. And so to see a stage with an audience and a stage that allows the developer to come on and speak about their game, I got to give that brownie point. I got to give that respect because the truth is, even if I'm not interested in a game, I'm going to tune in to the developer talking about their game because it's just awesome to see. Yeah, man. I just think... I'm going to pay attention to every single game that was presented during this showcase because much like when a teacher tells you not to just read off the screen, but rather have something you're saying while people are looking at a slide, Jeff just hosts and proctors the conversation in a very strong way. I'm here. I'm paying attention. So they knew to start off. Actually, and I think it's worth saying it's because Jeff loves gaming. And that's the thing about gaming, bro. Gaming is just like, we're supposed to have this like we're all in because it's gaming no matter what type energy. We're going to get to that though. They decided to hit the gamers right in the nuts. If you play video games for long enough, uh, you know about this game. So when they announced this and they put this on the screen, 
I'm pretty sure they got a nice little lull out the crowd because Prince of Persia, Prince of Persia, the lost crown is how they decided to open up the show. What do you think about that one, Willie? You know, when it comes to Prince of Persia, I think that it might be better to save it for the Ubisoft presentation because that's when the gameplay was shown. But I thought it was an interesting way to open the showcase up with a classic franchise title coming back, you know, coming back after being gone for a little bit. But another classic franchise that showcased something here was Mortal Kombat with Mortal Kombat 1. I've never really been into the Mortal Kombat games. I'm more of an Injustice guy myself, but the game looks sick. I can't deny that. It looks sick. I mean, we wouldn't have Injustice without these guys. These are the same people, right, that make these games, uh, the guys behind Mortal Kombat. So anything fighting, bro, I know Tekken's out. I know people are excited about the new Street Fighter, but this game, I'm not even a fighter fan, but I'm going to be copping this one. I love what they did, the simplifying of kind of going back to an origin story, reimagining an origin story. Fighting games can't always just be fighting. The mechanics need to be butter, but the Injustice story mode was mad entertaining. Like, let's be realistic. Like, it was fun to fight as these heroes. So it's going to be good with MK1. Up next, we got Dead by Daylight featuring Nick Cage. Like, I'm interested in this because I'd be playing Dead by Daylight. Do you, do you get into any Dead by Daylight? I've played a couple matches, and it's a fun game when you've got your friends with you. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, man. You know, uh, seeing Nick Cage on stage speaking with Jeff and being brought to the game as a survivor. You know, as a survivor, I'm like, all right, I wish he were the, the killer, but I'll take whatever I could get. And just him and Jeff's interactions were great. Like, I'm actually going to probably really enjoy this. Great marketing decision also by... by nick cage and his team like just a smart move uh i've really loved seeing that and I, I think he even said it on stage he said this is a medium i'm i'm realizing i haven't had my opportunity to jump into so i'm excited to be here and i think we're gonna see more celebrities jump into gaming this is just another example of how it's happening we've had some b-list but more are coming man interest elba all right we're gonna talk about that keep going keep going up next we have a game that i'm honestly really excited about you messaged me while the showcase was going on. You said, bro, they keep milking this blue dude, man. And of course, I'm talking about Sonic Superstars. Honestly, bro, my thing with Sonic is, I listen, they literally dropped a pack of retro games, including the game that this is a remaster of. And I just, you know, everyone wants to complain about stuff like Last of Us, right? Oh, why would they make a Last of Us Part 1 with the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 5 engine? That's just to rip off. I shouldn't have to pay full $60. Yo, bro, what's crazy is y'all are the same folks that'll buy Sonic Superstars. So gaming is funny, man. I'm ready to talk about that tonight too, Willie. Gaming is real funny. I just think I, I'm glad people love this game. It's an important video game, much like Prince of Persia. I can respect the platformer side-scroller that's been with us since the beginning, the genesis, pun intended. But I don't know why you're so excited about this game, just being honest. First thing I want to say is I'm the guy who got The Last of Us remake, and I'll be getting this game too. You know what I'm saying? I'm both, so you can't complain about me. But second, I like Sonic. I mean... Yeah, I have Sonic Mania. It's the exact same thing. I didn't really think Sonic Frontiers was all that. What caught my eye with this game is that it is a co-op experience. I could run in there as Tails 
while my boy AI is running through as Sonic. You know what I'm saying? That's different, bro. That's different. Give it its credit. All right, I might have to cop it and play Knuckles. Let's get it. But let's move on to a game I want to talk about then. Um, Lies of P. Lies of P. The demo was released at the same time that the trailer came out and, the, and then they talked about the game. Yeah, and something that I want to point out about what you just said with them releasing the demo as they were talking about the game, we don't get that anymore. Demos are a rare breed nowadays, it almost feels like. I remember when games used to just drop demos when they announced it and you could just play it forever. Nowadays, there are time demos or no demos at all. So with this dropping its demo, when I saw it on screen, I didn't think the game was for me. I'm not into Souls games like that. But you best believe I downloaded the demo because it was there and it allowed me to try something new. It gave me that chance. And, you know, I didn't really care for it, but I still went and tried it. And that's huge. They're going to scoop up people who may not be interested. I agree. I thought this was dope because I love the steampunky kind of like um, colonial aspect of the world that's being built. But then at the same time, it's obviously a Souls-like. And we're going to talk about this more when we talk about Jedi Survivor. But Souls-like concepts are taking over gaming, bro. And I like that Liza P brings its own world to the concept instead of bringing the concept to its own world, if that makes sense. So I'm excited to see that go down. That's going to be a strong game. The demo busting already. I'm surprised you weren't more excited about this next one, Sandland. And the reason why is because it's actually created. It's a video game um, medium being used by the people who created Dragon Ball Z. And I think it's so cool for them to do a game when we know the Dragon Ball Z games, a variety of different types of games, fighting games, story games, adventure games, co-op games, to take it and make a single player story with a completely new concept, characters, world, but to see the art style, it excites me, man. Very much excited for this bad boy. You know, I really think for me, it's just like, I know I'm locked in on Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and all that other stuff. But when it comes to Akira Toriyama, I don't know if I really connect with his work like that. And so, yeah, I mean, with this, it really was just meh. Maybe I'll see it one day if it happens to be free. No, nah, I understand, man. When the time comes, I hope that people talk about the game and it gets you to play it. And if it's fire, I'll let you know. Copy, man. You, you could do that, bro. Well, let's just, keep, let's just keep moving forward, man. I mean, we got one small one to jump through, which is Dying Light 2's update, which they didn't even give a full trailer to, which was mad weird. Um, I, I, listen, Dying Light 2 is one of the places that me and the boys hop in to have a fun time and play something different than what we normally play. So any updates that come to this game, I'm down to run through and experience. Um, is it better than Dying Light 1? No. Do I want Amira's Edge back? Yes. I'd rather parkour my friends on rooftops. Just my opinion. But the game's update, I will probably play. So I said I was interested. Listen, man, I didn't really care much for Dying Light 2. So the less that I talk about it, the better. But I saw that they're kind of collabing with Skybound Entertainment, which is responsible for The Walking, the Walking Dead, Dead and a lot of their video game stuff. So I'll keep an eye out. But what I do want to talk about is that Alan Wake 2, we saw some of it at the PlayStation Showcase. However, this was the gameplay, and I thought it was pretty great. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, we already talked about this, like you said, but what I liked about this presentation was, uh, other than MK1, this was the first 
gameplay live during the evening and to start off the summer games fest um that was shown like a full-blown little five minute four minute clip of the people actually playing the game it was cool to see and hear a little bit more oh wait it's it's also very important to mention that jeff did a great job interviewing the developer and trying to like get us some spoilers while the developer was trying to pull back and not say too much but at the same time there was like this banter because you can tell their friends it was cool to hear about the game in that kind of a conversation and then jump into the demo because now i'm expecting certain things now we understand that alan is in a supernatural world and now we understand that the, the fbi agent is in the natural realm trying to solve a mystery that's that's written by alan Wade. That concept is going to be a great, great, great concept. Um, so I'm looking forward to that out of this game. That's what I got. It wasn't the gameplay. The gameplay was whatever. It's the story. I'm definitely going to come for the story now. Yeah, maybe I'll finally go back and play the first game and, and finish off Control. But up next, we got Spider-Man 2. Now hear me out. Hear me out. This didn't need to be here. I 100% agree. This could have just been presented during the PlayStation Showcase. And then that would have gotten a little bit more credit. I understand business perspective, having a presence here, but I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. It just feels weird almost to just think that they would really just hold back a release date and two concept art images. And then when it comes to what they said about Venom, I personally never thought that Eddie Brock was going to be Venom in this game. But even then, just because they're saying it, it doesn't mean that it's true. Because look at Rocksteady Games and what they said about the Arkham Knight. That's a good you point. You just never know what developers are willing to lie about. So that's how I feel about Spider-Man 2. Um, I, I think they had this be here because it, it's a jab. It's still a jab at Xbox. Um, it's still a jab. It's not like, oh, we're not forgotten about. We can come and we can make an announcement about our game and rock this whole show. And it still be one of the best announcements at the show. Just remember... You're, you're not playing with somebody to like, I'm not no little dog, I'm big dog. I'm big dog. We're just going to come out here and give y'all the game's cover and a release date. And it's going to be one of the best pieces of news of the fest. I'm big dog. You did just remind me that I think the box art, not only for this game, but for all of them, are just ugly. Ugly cover. And plain. They could have had Spider-Man swinging in front of a building in New York and it would have been more solid than this you know Absolutely. i just think it's boring like nothing special to really celebrate i do think it's cool that on this one his web turns into a symbiote towards the end but it's not enough for me what i like about this too is that they also announced that this game takes place 10 months after miles morales now we know miles morales was in december so that means this is a halloween october based game that's going to be involved with this story and then releasing the game around the year that the game takes place in it's just it's smart man they're very intelligent they they are definitely incredibly smart if you guys want to hear more of us talking about spider-man 2 you could go back to our PlayStation Showcase of May 2023 episode just to get a better idea of how we're feeling about this game. But to move on to the next one. Um, actually, before you go on the next one, I do want to mention they did say something new and new stuff is coming to Marvel Snap. That game goes hard. I tried to put you on. You weren't rocking with it. That's fine. But that card game on your phone, that's that Marvel Snap. Bro, it's the it's the tiniest things, bro. It's the way that like certain card moves line up to the way that the characters' powers would look. It's hard. I just haven't been able to get into Marvel Snap, man. Maybe I'll try it again. Uh, but to close all this out, man, 
the big one. I know a lot of people were excited about this one. I, I got to know your thoughts on that Final Fantasy. I'm not in that world. I don't really care much for it. So so what are your thoughts on the, the new reveal? I'm interested in the next Final Fantasy, but this Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is just a continuation of the Final Fantasy remake. And I am excited about this in the sense that, like, bro, Final Fantasy is just going crazy. Like, Square Enix is not putting putting down... The controller they're continuing to work and to me what's crazy is that they've recruited the combat guy from devil may cry into their next final fantasy so i'm i'm i want to jump more into this world than i ever have previously right now so seeing that there was cool excited for what's to come from them in 2023 and 2024 all right, man. Well, we're going to move forward to future game show. I've got one game to talk about. You've got one game to talk about. So I'm going to let you talk about that moving out too. Absolutely. I don't know if you've played the game um, Overcooked. It's a wonderful game to play, especially if you have some friends over, maybe like a double date at the crib, or you're just doing a game night. It's a great game to play as a party game um, where you're like Overcooked, where you're cooking dishes and you have to communicate. Moving out is you're moving people out of their homes. And so you have to throw boxes to each other and dodge obstacles and try to do it as fast as you can. It's a fun game. So the second one's coming out. Very much excited for that. We'll be purchasing it. It's just great to have for when people come over. Hey, man, I loved Overcooked and Overcooked 2, so maybe I'll try it out one day. Now, the host of this showcase was Yuri Lonthal and Laura Bailey, and I was just tired of the Spider-Man jokes from the entire showcase. But to talk about the game specifically, Yuri said that this game was a cross between P.T. And if you know about P.T., you know that it was scary. A playable teaser for a Silent Hill game that never came. And What Remains of Edith Finch, which is one of my 10 out of 10 indie games, like favorites of all time. I'm going to get you to play that one day still. And so I was very interested in this because it's a psychological horror and I'm there for that. And and yeah, man, that's all I really had to say. I'll be on the lookout for, for Ludo. But to move on. We're going to move into that Xbox showcase. Now, I know that you got something you wanted right at the start of this showcase, man. You got that Fable, bro. Talk to me about Fable, bro, because I know that you're excited for this. I'm, I'm all right with it, but I know you're excited for this. Uh, one, it was interesting, the trailer style they decided, because uh, history has shown a very cinematic trailer based on a hero that always opens up Fable um, at an E3 presentation. Now, Fable has been awaited for so long. It's been dropped. It's been folded on. It's been turned into a Plants vs. Zombies. Like, it's it's been everything. But they're finally getting back to the roots. Different developer than who originally created the game. But Microsoft owns the IP. So it's cool to see them basically suggest a new spin. But there also be this nature of, I get to make a hero. And I get to create the story I want. And um, I'm going to fight fantastical things on the way. And I'm going to have a crazy arsenal of weapons. Um, and I'm excited for that. Just to see that they're, they're, they're doing it. Um, would it have been nice to see some gameplay after all of this uncertainty? Yes. But does it mean I'm not interested? No, nah, I'm there, man. It's going to be good. Hey, man, you bring up a great point about gameplay and wanting to see that. I feel like the Xbox showcase really did lack in gameplay for most of their games. But, you know, I'm just going to move on to Payday 3, man, you know, because we're we going to dive into that Star Wars Outlaws later in the episode with the gameplay stuff because, you know, Xbox didn't have that. So, so tell me what you thought about that Payday 3. 
Payday 3, man, Payday 1 and 2 are the type of games that I wish I jumped into back when they were first hot. But I've just recently started diving into these, specifically Payday 2. And there's so much fun to be found in these games. So to see that they're doing a new one, I'm going to try to get the guys on it. As soon as I saw this trailer, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get the guys on it. We all going to run this and feel badass as we rob folks. Stop playing with me. The only relationship that I have with the Payday franchise is playing back when it was really booting up with my friends, maybe like two or three times. So I don't really have much to say about the Payday stuff. Um, I didn't put this down as well, but um, Sea of Thieves, The Legend of Monkey Island was a cool drop from Ubisoft. They don't mention it later on. Um, but I did want to mention it here just because Monkey Island is an, a Ubisoft classic and staple. So they keep they keep bringing them back. They're either remastering games, creating new stories, or they're doing stuff like this. I hope Monkey Island never dies from Ubisoft because the game is fire, but it's like it's a staple of who they are at this point. My only connection to Monkey Island is the Easter egg to it in Uncharted 4. Yeah. When they got the picture of the main character up on the wall, you know what I'm saying? So up next, I see you got Overwatch 2, bro. I played the first game for an hour, didn't find it interesting. Played the second game for an hour, didn't find it interesting. So this is all you. I feel you. Overwatch 2, um, I haven't played it too deeply, but Overwatch 1, I played a bunch. Overwatch 2, apparently from the community, people are very disappointed in Blizzard and what they've dropped, that it doesn't feel like a different game at all. It's just like a 1.5. But... I'm always ha I always have this game downloaded on my system. It's always there. Like, you know, when you delete stuff to make room for, I always have this game. There's like an attachment I have to it. So seeing two, anything with updates on that, I'm probably going to jump into. Another game that really blew my mind here and made me really excited was Still Wakes the Deep. It's a psychological first person horror experience that takes place on an oil rig. That sounds fire to me, bro. You stuck out in the ocean, bro. Tell me that don't sound fire, bro. Tell me that don't sound heat. No, that does sound tough. And I, I honestly, if you record yourself playing that, I would love to watch that. Huh, maybe, maybe I will have to record myself and then put that up somewhere. Hmm. Well, you're excited about that. I'm excited about Cyberpunk. Um, and I might stay here for a second because I just want you to understand how excited I am about Cyberpunk. So first and foremost, we talked about... We talked about celebrities making their way into gaming. Facts. You got that Nick Cage in Dead by Daylight. I'm in there. Keanu obviously was the face of this game uh, when it first dropped. It sucks that it was so trash in 2020 and it still is trying to figure itself out all the way in 2023. But bro, that doesn't mean I'm not pumped to hear that they basically figured themselves out in 2023. It took them an additional three years to sharpen the game. But what reviewers are saying, what leakers are saying, what the press is saying is that this, this update and this DLC is supposed to basically give us the experience that we were supposed to have in 2020. And I was excited for that game so much. I know you didn't jump in, but at the end of the day, I don't like that it's first person. I don't like the way the shooting feels. I hate a lot of the mechanics. I wish it was third person. But, but at the same time, CD Projekt Red writes like no other. Oh, really? Yeah, in the sense of this, the grandiosity. Another game we're going to talk about tonight makes me go, mm, they might rival it with the level of how big the world is and how the narrative goes so deep in that big world. But CD Projekt Red did a great job with that from what I did play in Cyberpunk. Seeing that Idris Elba is going to be joining the game and you're going to have Keanu Reeves and Idris Elba on the same screen while you're playing a video game in 2023. Yo, bro, I'm there. 
There's no reason not to. And if you don't play it, you're looking that joint up on YouTube. Let's be realistic. I am looking nothing up on YouTube. If I play the game, I'll play the game. But Idris Elba and Keanu Reeves on the screen on a video game, it, it doesn't interest me as much as you think it does. Like, I'm just being real, bro. But he's Idris Elba. Hey, man, you know what? You could tell me all about it whenever you play it. And I'll listen to you. And then you know what I'll say back? That's cool, bro. Now, let me get into Starfield, the heavy hitter of this Xbox showcase. I have never been able to really connect to Bethesda games. The only game that I was able to really get into and not even finish was Fallout 4. I've been meaning to go back to New Vegas and finish Fallout 4. But I could never do Skyrim, Elder Scrolls, all that other stuff. And so, when I look at Starfield, you know, nothing happens inside of me. Like, maybe maybe I got a, a screw loose inside or something, you know, but nothing about that game interests me. However, the 30-minute presentation that they did, I can respect it because developers need to do that more. They, they have lost their ability to do that over the years. And so I respect them coming on stage and saying, here's how this works and this works and this works and this works and this works. For 30 minutes, that was dope. I like the ship customization from Starfield, absolutely. But I don't know, man. I just, it's not scratching anything inside of me, man. It just reminds me of No Man's Sky. You know, just a, a more expensive and more hopeful no man's sky i didn't play fallout i never liked fallout i was a wuss i didn't like the big bugs i'll be absolutely honest with you there was just like a certain level of the combat i never was attached to um but i knew bethesda made great games i mean they they have to right there would be no reason for microsoft to have acquired them if they weren't something special and i think that starfield is what was special to them um, not just the Fallout history, but also I think that this thing is going to be monumental for gaming. I think that even if the game has frills and pieces to it that feel cheap, the size of the game is one of the most advantageous approaches to video game um, in a long time. They're, they're procedurally generating much like No Man's Sky. They're taking No Man's Sky the way Apple would take an idea Microsoft has created years ago and put their own little spin on it that's nice and polished because they have the resources to do it how they do it. Like, it looks like Bethesda took No Man's Sky and said, let's procedurally generate worlds. Let's make them deep. Let's, let's not just make planets that look different. Let's make cities that are inside those planets with characters that have their own stories on those planets. And let's let the player fly between each planet with, with, in a seamless way. And it's like, okay, so you, you're watching gaming, Bethesda. You know that Destiny's really big right now. You, you know that's big. You know Outer Wilds was another sleeper hit that came out back in 2021. People love the story in that game, even if you didn't feel like you I saw Willie, Willie, Willie and I are looking at each other on FaceTime and he told me he doesn't like it. <laughs> you don't like that one? I don't know if it was that I didn't like it, but it was just one of the most excruciating, annoying gaming experiences I've had this year. So, you know, I just I, I can't say much about it. It's not necessarily the craziest story ever. I'm just saying the concept of it. You can tell they looked at that. They saw that there was good stuff in it. They took it. Um I just think Starfield has customization out the wazoo, um, the opportunity to literally build your own ship like it's Kingdom Hearts, like gummy ship, like 
customizer. Like it's you're literally making blocks for your ship, and each of those blocks aren't just cosmetic. They're labs. They're resources you take out on space and. If you put too many pieces, it requires more fuel. So you have to do different types of missions that can't take long distance. You like the concept of the game is so deep. You know, man, a lot of this is reminding me of that No Man's Sky. So I'm sure there's some of that disappointment at play here too. I think so, man. I think so. And I think that they're going to do some, I think they're going to do a lot with this. I think this is a universe. I think this is just the tip of the spear. They're building something like Fallout has mobile games where you play as a vault and you have to get resources. It's like a tower defense game. You know, I think Starfield will begin stuff like that. So I'm excited to see what this brings to gaming. Destiny is dying out. It's going away. There's an open space for games like this to exist, a lifestyle game that's not because you're connecting with other people, but it's just so dense that you're in it for a long time. It's going to be interesting. Listen, man, whoever is going to enjoy Starfield, power to them. For me, I just, I just need to speak about Microsoft for a moment and just say how I've been feeling about them for the last few years. Microsoft does not have their heart set on gaming anymore. They don't. For maybe 10 to 15 years now, it has not been the driving force behind anything that they do. As much as they want to promote Game Pass, as much as they want to buy up a million companies that are making games, it's, it's, to, it's to put a face on. It's to put a mask on, right? You know, and... Something that I also feel like is incredibly disrespectful of Microsoft is the way that they've treated the franchises that made Xbox what Xbox is and the studios that made Xbox what it is. And I feel like the two biggest proof of this would be looking at Halo and Gears of War. Now, I can't speak much for Halo, right? But I just know that I've heard those fans complaining probably since Xbox 360 about the way Halo has been handled by Microsoft. I could speak about Gears of War, though. You know, after they purchased the rights to Gears from Epic Games, they said, we're going to give you guys a new trilogy. They gave us Gears of War 4, and it, it felt like, all right, y'all know what you're doing. You know, it, it definitely felt tonally different, but sure, I'll take it. Then Gears of War 5 drops, and you can tell that the spirit of what that franchise was was no longer there. And so, Gears 5 lives on, you play it, whatever, and then support stops. And what do you think? You think, oh, I'm going to get Gears 6 soon. Nope, nothing. Nothing has been discussed about this game at all. Now, granted, I'm a patient dude, so they, are, they could be cooking right now, and I hope they are. I hope they are, but there's still a very obvious backseat to that franchise and these franchises here in favor of the bigger hey let's buy this studio and just get them to do it wouldn't that be so fun wouldn't it just be fun to just take one instead of honoring what we've had like and game pass is great don't get me wrong but like come on it, just because game pass exists doesn't mean that their heart is in gaming it's just not there man I've been said that, bro. When they dropped the Xbox One, it was clear they wanted to be an entertainment box, an entertainment hub in the living rooms of people all around the world. But Xbox 360 was all for the gamers, not for the streaming. It was there, but the gamers were who they were making games for. Xbox One changed that completely. And this Series S and X don't change much, bro. It's the same concept. They're an entertainment box. PlayStation took them by storm at PS4. And it just looks like Xbox can't figure it out, man. PlayStation is as strong as it is, I think, because of the love. 
that it has for its nostalgia, for where its roots are. And like we said earlier, right, with, um, with, with Monkey Island, it's the little things, these studios, they adopt that culture there. So they even make homage and connections to where they come from as studios because Sony makes room for that. Xbox sucks at that stuff, man. Sucks. You know, like, since we're looking at PlayStation, man, I, I just want to say, like, they also buy companies and say, hey, they're going to make games for us, but they've never left their other studios behind. And most of the time, when it comes to franchises, they allow them to complete it. They said, yo, Naughty Dog, you done with Uncharted? We're going to let you complete your story. You know? Infamous right now is in a little weird state where did they complete their story with Infamous Second Son? We don't know, but Sucker Punch is still going to be honored. And they're allowed to create their masterpiece that is Ghost of Tsushima. And so, like, yes, PlayStation does also partake in the acquisitions. But they don't lose sight of gaming and their former studios or their original studios, if you may want to put it that way. Now, for me, another thing that I really just got to say is as much as Game Pass is a hit, Microsoft can do that because they're Microsoft. Xbox could dip into the funds of the business side of Microsoft, but Sony really can't do that. Nintendo can't do that. So people need to stop acting like it's an option everywhere. Like, be real. He's talking his talk. It's big Sony talk. So if you're listening, you a Microsoft fanboy, Xbox fanboy, listen, bro, you're going to have to sit there and be tight. We got the mic. It's our show. We Sony over here. Huh? Hey, man. And, and listen, I will always put respect where it is due. Like I said, Starfield, I could respect it. But I just, you know, it's hard when that's Bethesda and they were, they've been doing this for years for everywhere. So... Uh, you know, another thing is this showcase did not express to me any reason why I feel like I needed to go buy an Xbox. Like, it really didn't. And now that's going to be different for everybody. But especially as someone with a PC, like, I could do everything there. So Xbox doesn't really have exclusivity like that. Now, I understand buying an Xbox because of money. It's cheaper than a PC. I understand buying it because you want to play while sitting on your couch. You want to be at the desk. But as someone who isn't in that position that is my headspace as to why this showcase didn't do anything for me and i don't need an xbox right now like i don't need it there are games that were announced that i want to give my time to but at the end of the day i'm not buying the system bro i'm just not gonna buy the system 100 man listen you know I'm, I'm i'm ready to move into this next showcase the company with highs and lows around the board ubisoft you know and for me, I think this might be my favorite showcase of Summer Games Fest, you know. And even then, the, the showcase itself was incredibly weird. They had weird editing, weird clapping times, a weird crowd, weird presenters. But, you know, like I said, despite the highs and lows of this company, I'm excited for its future. Speaking of highs and lows, let's jump right into Avatar, man. They, they came out with Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Um, and this is Massive Entertainment. Shout out to Massive, man. Massive has a couple games in this list of games we got to hear about. Um, and these were games that I don't, I didn't see any information about them developing. So some of these developments were cool. Um, but they basically have created a game, a first person game in the world of Avatar. Um, and I think they opened this show with this because they knew it was the weakest game they had to offer, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. So it's like, it is what it is, but I think it's cool. I think it's cool to have a first-person game. You know James Cameron wants to make as much money as he possibly can. So it's like another representation of it. I guess that's that's cool. 
I guess. What about you, Willie? I know you hate James Cameron, though. Look, I'm just going to quickly say I don't hate James Cameron. I just think he's corny. Sorry to Isa. And if y'all don't know who Isa is, you're going to get to know her soon. Love. But I never cared for the Avatar movies. And so this game did not speak to me. And even then, with the gameplay, it looked boring to me. It just did, man. So I don't know what else to say. I'm not intrigued at all. All right. So then up next, speaking of Ubisoft and their vast array of games, um, X Defiant. X Defiant looks so cool to me because I'm tired of Call of Duty. Don't know about you. So X Defiant has been in closed beta for a bit and had a ton of other play tests, but they're finally opening up an open beta. Um, and it's coming up later on this month. I think it's the 21st to the 23rd. I'm going to play it. I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to explore. Um, I want a first-person experience, man. I want something different. I want something different than what they... Because, bro, we got to get competitive. We got to get mixy. Even you play COD. Even you play COD. You get mixy. Hey, man, listen. I, I don't play Call of Duty anymore like that. So I'll be in there for that open beta just because the game reminded me of Black Ops 2 for some reason. And, and that's really it. Yeah, you was on there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, if I'm not mistaken, earlier we we talked about this, or we at least said its title, and so I, I really want to know what you thought about that Prince of Persia, man. As someone who probably has a better connection to it than I do. Yeah, man. I think a lot of people are really upset about this. Um, they're upset because they don't want a side scroller. They don't want a modern take. They don't want hip hop playing while they're playing as the Prince of Persia, the cool assassin acrobat that can travel in time because of the weapon that he has that allows him to travel backwards in time. So you have to use that to combat, to do puzzles. This was a staple game, another classic that's been with us for so long. Um, but everyone forgets that this game was a side scroller. That's what it was designed as first. And then as we got 3D in gaming, it became, it became a 3D game. Um, we don't necessarily need a 3D game. I'm definitely going to run this. I'm going to run this because I think that these people came out and they know the love and the care that a game like Prince of Persia needs to have if you're going to do a new take. And I think as I watched their developer video that aired after the conference, you could just hear it in their voices, man. They want to do this thing as a thing of passion. I'm going to check it out. I can understand why people are upset, but part of what this showcase did for me was help me realize gamers are ass, bro. Like, we're negative about so much and feel so entitled to certain things. And I think it's part of why gaming has had a hard last couple of years, in my opinion. I mean, listen, man, there is a definitely a sense of entitlement. You know, even I was just on my soapbox about Microsoft. So I get it. But a lot of them do really suck. And I'm going to be talking about that later, man. But for Prince of Persia, all I can really say is I know that that game better be 20 to 30 dollars because anything more in my opinion might be pushing it depending on how much content is there you know say that i'll say i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna continue then let's just keep it pushing all right man so to keep it pushing we're gonna go into the division mobile game that is going to be coming out now i know that you were hoping for new division news so i want to know how do you feel about this mobile game bro i'm not I'm not going to lie to you. I was disappointed when I heard this because I thought it was another like new game. But then I forgot they're making Division Homestead, which has been mentioned, has been in magazines, it's been on the cover of Games Informer. I think it's also important to remember that the Division team, a lot of those people were supposedly pushed over to Star Wars Outlaws, so that, that's big too. 
I think that it's just worth pausing and saying mobile games are getting crazy. And there's going to come a point where mobile games are going to be on the level of video games that are on systems in terms of their ports, in terms of how they flow. And don't tell me it's not true. Don't tell me it's not true when we have devices that can play older generations of games and we had devices that could do it back then and, 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 and match the graphics. It matched the port. I was playing ROMs on my, on my phone. Listen, as we will get into shortly, we know that this is not the only Ubisoft game that is traveling to mobile territory. So it's, it's up and coming for Ubisoft, definitely. And so now that we're going to be beginning this huge section of our episode, we're going to be talking Assassin's Creed. Now, as a little Kuzo-op showcase right now, we will be dropping an episode on Assassin's Creed looking at the entire franchise. The day that Assassin's Creed Mirage releases, because it releases on a Thursday. So when that episode drops, you already know we're going to be in there already. But back in August, Ubisoft announced four different things Assassin's Creed related, and they showcased three of them during their showcase. And so the first thing I'm going to talk about briefly is the VR segment, which they basically said that the gameplay that was shown was all CG rendered of what they hope it looks like. And to me, that's just terrible. But, you know, I got a meta quest, so I'll be in there whenever it drops. I'll give it a try. I'll play as Ezio. I don't know about Connor and Cassandra, though, bro. Nah, let's not do Connor like that. Let's not do Nah, Connor. I'm, I'm going to do Connor like that, bro. I'm going to do him dirty because, you know, why not? But anyway, mobile stuff. They released uh, information about Assassin's Creed Jade, which looks interesting to me because, like we've discussed, Ubisoft seems to be trying to move forward into mobile territory. And I'm always going to take something new in Assassin's Creed, and I'm interested to see how it goes. Now, in terms of gameplay, I think there were some weird cuts that were used, almost as if you weren't really watching gameplay. Or maybe that's just how they cut trailers nowadays, which is kind of annoying. But I'm here for Assassin's Creed Jade. I don't know if you ever played it. Um, Back when I had an iPod Touch, I think my first iPod Touch, Ubisoft teamed up with Gamesloft and created an Assassin's Creed game on your phone. It was fire. It was straight fire back then. And that was like 20, maybe 2009. I might have like rough memories of whatever you're talking about because I do remember a game on my iPod, but I, I can't say I fully recall it. Now, the real big game of this franchise in its current state, Assassin's Creed Mirage, I feel like Mirage looked like a modern day take on a classic Assassin's Creed rather than just an classic Assassin's Creed. And what do you feel about that? Because I, as soon as I saw it, I'm thinking, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts the whole time because I want it to be, I want it to be good. And I know I'm biased in that regard, but at the same time, it's not biased. It's just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I am one you, of those you just fans. Have what you want. Exactly. And when we talk about assassins, we'll dive in, but a lot of what they kept hinting toward in developers and then the guy coming up on stage, we've been listening to the community. You all want us to go back to our roots because the last three games have been mid-pack McGee. Come on, bro. All right, already, bro. Pipe down a little bit because now you're talking about things you don't even know, bro. We got to give them what they want because they didn't want the last three games. 
Yeah, but they ain't want the games and, before that, bro. So what they want, bro? You, you don't know what you're talking that's about. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. All I'm saying is they said, let's do this thing. And I want to know what you feel about that in terms of it being instead of a more modern take on Assassin's Creed that returns to the roots of what an Assassin's does. This feel of an older game in a modern way. Do you do you like that? Because I am gonna play it no matter what. But part of me was like, damn, do I want that though? I don't know. Wait, did I want this? I want to return, but do I want it like this? I don't know. I feel like you're definitely right to have any concerns that you may have about it. The only way I can really go about this is breaking it down. And so like Number one, the best thing about this was the parkour. It was definitely a mix it between was. Assassin's Creed 2 and Unity. The world was built for parkour, which the last four games have not been. Now, for the combat, I can't really speak much to it. We didn't really get to see it. Um, so then with stealth, I mean, I thought stealth was fantastic. Uh, it was quick. It was precise. There's that one moment where he uses, like, uh, if you've ever played Arkham Knight, the, the fear takedown. He, like, teleports across and kills three guys at once. And I'm not sure if it was him actually teleporting or if it was just to be easier for animation. We, we think maybe he just ran and killed all of them. And, like, for people who are hating on that, I say, just don't use it. You don't got to. So I liked what I saw in the stealth, man. Eagle Vision, you have selections of both the new and former Eagle Vision. And so I think there's a good mix here. It definitely wasn't as classic as I thought it would be based on what they were saying, but I'm here for it. One thing I really liked from this demo before we move on is I love the quests. I love quests. That's very Witcher. It's very Witcher 3. I uh, just picked it off the board in my hideout or the town, and I can tell what I want to do, what the job is going to look like. I love that, and I love that it's going to have its own stories to it. This trailer didn't do a good job. I really like having actual story in that mission, but it was a demo. So it's like you take what you can get. Hey, man, uh, we're both going to be there day one. You, we already know that. So let's move forward to the surprise of Xbox's showcase, which had its gameplay shown here, Star Wars Outlaws. What did you think of this? All right, bro. I'm going to be really honest with you on this one. This was my favorite thing of the show. This is one of my favorite things that came out through the whole everything. Like, it's up there with Spider-Man. Like, this is like my five. Like, I have like four or five games. Yo, bro, Outlaws? Anybody? I got something to say, bro. I'm going to just jump right in because I'm really trying to get mixy. I'm trying to get mixy. All right, so one, Star Wars, when it comes to creating content, for the specific purpose of just marketing another piece of their content, they don't move like that. There have been some companies they work with that might move like that, EA, with the Battlefront concept. We know that microtransactions was a little wonky-donky. But when it comes to the concept of Star Wars, there's some people that I, in my, in my friend group and that I've seen on the internet that are like, oh, this is a stupid concept for a game. They should have just like promoted promoted some of their other stuff coming out. Don't they have like new movies coming out and, and Ahsoka coming out? And Terry, if you're listening to this, bro, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Because yo, bro, that's not how Star Wars rolls. The same way that when we talk about the concept of Ubisoft or Sony, the same way that we talk about the concept of Sony making room 
for each of their studios to live out their stories how they need to in the game is the same way that I think Star Wars gives room to people like Ubisoft, to EA, to come and take a slice of their universe and create their own renditions. This makes me so excited for this game, that concept, knowing it. So when people started saying that from Rip mid-trailer, I was hot. I wasn't even done watching the trailer and I'm hot at y'all already. I'm like, nah. So I just want to stop and say that real quick. I know you feel similar about certain gamers. You got something to say to Terry, bro? Say something to Terry, bro. Say something to Terry. You know, first thing I got to say is, what's up, Terry? How you doing? Uh, you know, hopefully you can make it on at some point. would love to hear your thoughts about any topic you want, you know. But for this game, man, you know, I think people really need to understand that EA has had Star Wars locked behind contract for a really long time. And so this is really the game that's finally saying like we don't need to be ea star wars we can be ubisoft or we could be whoever wants to do star wars so i say let's get this ball rolling with these games coming out man i'm 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 ready for it even for those of y'all saying no this is me it's like but why though explore that because i've seen a lot of people say it's not a jedi or other things that i know we'll get to talking about here's a couple things i like one I like that it's in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. We haven't had anything in that space. It's a great idea for them to do this. Very smart. It is absolutely a brilliant idea, especially with the onslaught of between episode three and four content we've gotten recently with all of the shows and even Jedi Survivor. So great idea on their end. There's a lot of different people that she could make contact with. A lot of stories that have been impacted by what happened in Empire Strikes Back, which we've all talked We've talked about um, Empire Strikes Back being one of the best in the entire lineup. So it's like, I'm excited about that. Um, but Division, Massive Entertainment is the one that's making this game. Division is a third-person shooter. You can see certain concepts of their older mechanics and some of the movement in this game. The way that you're able to see where Nyx can run and distract enemies reminds me of the mechanical ball that you can throw in Division. That's like a bomb and a mine. I love that they have that kind of a concept, uh, concept, but bro, I'll tell you when the game popped off for me. It wasn't that first punch she she threw that made it look like it hurt her, which made sense because she's her and and yeah. But all that being said, when she did the quick draw and she said on the way out, I said, "Yo, bro, I'm just realizing that like with the exception of Battlefront Two, we haven't had the full or in Lego Star Wars, we haven't had the full on opportunity to play as a scoundrel, bro." to play as a Star Wars scoundrel and really just off the top. Like, like what Mando is great for as a Western and the combat that happens with the blaster, we're going to be able to experience that in this game as we play as someone dependent on their blaster the way that Cal is dependent on his lightsaber. It's going to be dope. And I already see what they're doing. But people, as soon as they saw it, she's not a Jedi. This is trash. She's not a man. She's not a man. She's not a man. This is trash. Yo, bro, this is blowing my mind. Are y'all ignorant? Bro, the answer is yes, they are ignorant. And it's annoying because the amount of people that I've seen online complaining, oh, she's immediately, I'm off this because she's a woman of color. They're pandering. Like, bro, you just got your white man in Jedi Survivor. And you don't want to complain about it then, but you want to come over here and bitch because it's a woman of color. Like, if you don't want to play it, then don't play it. And if you don't want to play it because it's a woman of color as the main character, then fuck you. You don't need to play this shit because it's not meant for you, clearly. You, you could stick to your plain old white shit. 
You know what I'm saying? But for the game itself, space is something that caught my eye when the ship flies through the clouds and it takes a moment and then bam, you're in space. Like there aren't many games that I've felt like in the Star Wars past that does space combat well. And so I hope that this one does. But just the fact that it was almost a seamless transition from on the ground in orbit to space, it was just that's what caught my eye with this trailer instantly. As we move into the final two segments of this episode, I feel like we have to cover these things. And the first thing I got to say is these showcases are too intertwined with one another. And I get it from a business standpoint, but it is ridiculous that it's CG trailer at this showcase, gameplay here, release date here. It's like all of these showcases were straight bees in my opinion for a variety of different reasons but spider-man could have had an extra point with its release date over on its end ubisoft could have been higher if they had the chance to reveal their own game xbox could have been higher had they done this it's it's incredible how convoluted it can all get when it really doesn't need to be but you know what I'm not in that business, so I don't know. I don't see those statistics. I'm just saying for what I feel. Nah, I feel you, bro. I think at the end of the day, uh, I I love Ubisoft more than I love the PlayStation Showcase. What I said about the PlayStation Showcase was that it felt like a presentation. It felt like we just watched trailer after trailer after trailer after trailer. Ubisoft wanted to give room for, which proves what we've said in this episode. Ubisoft gave room for the developers, the creative directors to come on stage and present their game, to talk about this world, to say something like, you're a scoundrel that has no family. Your only friend that you can trust is an alien named Nyx. The empire, the empire, like that dramatic entrance, I just love the showiness to, to Ubisoft forward. It was great. I'm hearing you out, man. I just know that for me, Ubisoft felt a little weird. And I think a big part of it is I'm pretty sure a lot of the audience members were just developers from Ubisoft and other people like that, not actual fans. That's a good point. I saw Phil Spencer in the crowd, so I'm hearing you. But again, man, in terms of what felt like E3, they still felt like E3. We still felt like we were in the in the theater with the red curtains where they did their presentation a couple of years in E3. I still felt like the heart of that concept was here. Um, but the second thing that we got to jump into, man, is the community. It's not just the company. It's the community. Us as gamers, bro, I don't know if we're spoiled, if we feel like we've been starved. I don't know what it is. But this is a thing where it's like there's creative. There's creative um, gatekeeping. There's this weird concept and loyalty in gaming right now. I think a lot of these games kind of brought the ugly side of gamers out once again, which happens often whenever new changes in the gaming universe is coming. Whether it's a remake, a remaster, a new IP, people just hate. And I just want to say, man, it's not fair, bro. If y'all are knocking the way that Outlaws looks because it's a female protagonist instead of a male protagonist, which I'm seeing on the internet, yo, bro, you're a Shermy, dog. Yeah, man, I talked about it earlier, and I'm going to say it again. You're corny if you don't want to play as her just because she's a dark-skinned woman. Yo, if you want your white guy, you could go play two Fallen Order games or two Force Unleashed games. They're available to you whenever. Oh, I wanted to be able to create my own character. They have those games for you, too. 
just because this game doesn't have that, it doesn't make it weak. Because I'm sure you'll eventually get a game where you'll be able to do this. Stop judging the game on what you want it to be in terms of its concept and judge it on what it is. If you want to judge it on the gameplay, fine. But really, you're going to stoop to that level. You're sounding stupid. And I also just want to stop real quick. And this is how we ended the episode. I guess we just go and popping off, which is fine. Look, yo, if you're upset that there's not a lightsaber being used, here's two things for you. One is we don't know who she's going to encounter or what she goes through in this story. We don't know anything. Can you just let it rock? Who knows? She might get a sword. She might get a cool dagger. Something that's fire. You never know what she could get. But people ain't giving it no chance. Like we didn't see, like we didn't see Mando collect collect weapons all seasons, each season. Stop. Bro, and, and just like I just said, if they want to play with lightsabers, they can go hop on two Force Unleashed games or two Jedi Survivor games. Like, I don't understand. Right. Right. Hey man, but anyway. Look, I feel like over the last few weeks, PlayStation was my favorite showcase just because of the amount they, they showed and the amount that I was interested in just beat everything else. But for Summer Games Fest, I do believe Ubisoft takes the cake for me as well. They won the conference. All I would like to say is this. I know you hosted the episode, but it has been another excellent episode as we break down what's going on in gaming. As always, you're going to hear about gaming. You're going to hear about movies. You're going to hear about TV. Every time that you tune in with myself, Isaiah, and my cousin here, Willie, uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Cuzzlewild, where you'll always find two cousins, one podcast, endless entertainment.